Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. The UK's leading sight loss charity, RNIB, produces a wide variety of publications for the public and for professionals. Now, NB magazine is about to celebrate its centenary 100 years and tell us a little bit more about the history of NB and where we are today. Uh, We have Hannah and Thunmi from RNIB to tell us a little bit more. So, Hannah, first of all, perhaps tell me a little bit about the magazine. You know, what's it about? Where did it actually come? from? Hi, so the types of things that we talk about are specifically for an audience of eye health and sight loss professionals and the sorts of things that the features and articles and things that we run are lots of opinion pieces, lots of blogs. We also cover topics including assistive technology and all sorts of more mainstream technology that would be of interest to blind or partially sighted people. So things like driverless cars and exciting new treatments and things, events that professionals can go to for professional development and courses. But where the magazine has come from and the roots of the organization's flagship publication started in 1917, we don't know exactly why the publication came about, but it's certainly in the first editor's welcome letter. He talks a lot about the soldiers coming back from World War One and Although the magazine wasn't exclusively for returning soldiers from the First World War who'd been blinded, there is information about people that are born with sight loss as well. We do assume that the First World War sparked the initiation of the the first publication. In the first early few editions, there's all sorts of really quite interesting features that give us this amazing social commentary about what was important to blind and partially sighted people back in 1917. And the the common themes that we can see throughout the magazine's 100-year history is a real focus on training opportunities and education for people that have got sight loss. There's also a very strong campaigning backbone to the magazine, working with trade unions to secure insurances for people that are blinded at work and all sorts of information up to sort of modern day. For example, back in 2001, the editor at the time was writing about the importance for having medical information being sent in accessible formats and how there was this big number of people that were accidentally taking too much medication and unfortunately dying because they can't read the labels properly. But as I say, more modern day readers will probably be from the eye health and sight loss sector. Now with Hannah we also have Funmi who's also involved in editing NB. Funmi a wide range of topics there but even from a way back in its inception to now there are a lot of similar themes. Certainly I was the editor from autumn 2012 to December 2015 and as an editor you go back and you do look at past editions and you try and build on that and certainly I think always at the heart of NB is the focus of that it centres on the work of professionals, eye health and sighted professionals and how they can support blind and partially sighted people and I think that's something that we continue. Certainly when I started on the publication we made that our core, we decided that we would only concentrate on articles that truly reflect the work of blind and partially sighted people and also certainly when I started, I think one of the first achievements was to ensure that we had somebody who was 
blind or partially sighted who's writing for us about their lives in a very kind of honest and refreshing and funny way. And that's Susie Simons, who was our blogger and then turned blogger. And she talked about going to festivals, doing Zumba, and also people telling her that, you know, that she didn't look blind and something that we hear time and time again. I think On IB as a charity is extremely campaigning and as a magazine we took this on board as well. So, for example, if we look back to an edition back in 2013 on our front page, we talked about the lack of care and support for blind and partially sighted people from local councils and we highlighted the lack of vision rehab services, a theme that comes up time and time again. And obviously, on IB as an organisation, we clearly want this redress. And I think it's something that we are still campaigning on today. Hannah, some reflections there from Funi. What about yourself? You, you've looked at some of the archives. Anything that really stood out for you in, in past issues? There's lots of information in there that's centred around the blind and partially sighted person themselves. And over the years, there's been some really quite lovely stories from all around the world. Something that this publication did was talk about what sorts of provision other countries provided for blind and partially sighted people. So you can read really obscure features from Japan in the 1930s or look and see what's happening in Canada in the 50s. And there's a really nice story that I like about a lady in 1927 who there's this very short story. She's in California and she's employed as a coffee taster for over 20 years. She's working as a coffee taster and it's believed that she's the only blind and partially sighted person in the whole world that has this unique job. The person that owns the coffee company believed that because of her sight loss, she had a heightened taste sense. So most of her day would be spent trying different blends and combinations of coffees that they're buying in. There's also a really sweet story about a man in Italy who had been blinded by an industrial accident, unfortunately. And one day he was sunbathing by the side of a lake in northern Italy and he could hear kids playing and splashing around and unfortunately one of the children got into a bit of trouble and his instinct was just to jump in straight away and swim out and try and save them. He had people on the sides of the bank giving him instructions about where to swim and by the time he'd swum both himself and the child out of the water he gave them CPR and the child survived which is amazing to hear tales of people in other countries having similar experiences, obviously not all saving drowning children, but the other sorts of features that were being published at the time, I'm sure it made quite an inclusive community feel to the magazine. Funmi, Hannah's obviously telling us a little bit about how the stories have changed over the years, You know, now a more professional publication targeted at professionals. Has technology made a difference in the way that you sort of produce and distribute NB now? Yeah, well, MB used to be a monthly publication and then it was a bi-monthly publication. But even when it was a bi-monthly publication, it always had a presence online. And obviously with the impact of digital, not just in the media, but obviously across our lives in so many ways, it's, it's been so dramatic. And in terms of producing magazine, there is an impact there. And obviously what R&IB has had to take a look at this and think about what changes need to be made. The decision was taken just over a year ago to move MB exclusively online. As you know, so many of us access information online and eye health and sight loss professionals are no different in that aspect. So now what we can do is we can produce articles or news stories or fact sheets all online. They can be available very quickly. People can download this information. We can also produce short films which do 
you know, extremely well for MB. And for me, it's a very exciting time. The other thing about producing things digitally, as opposed to printing them, is that financially it's cheaper to produce this information. Technology is moving fast. People do access information online. But also there is a benefit that blind and partially sighted people can also access their information online. So producing a magazine and having something in your hand is obviously a, a joy. And as a love of magazines, I like that and I still do enjoy reading magazines. There are advantages of putting things online. We can react very quickly to stories. We can also see what people like and what they dislike as well. And I think all the qualities that we put into making MB a magazine are not lost in putting it online. In fact, if anything, it can take us to another level. Hannah, that technology making a huge difference, as Funumi says there, about producing and, and distributing NB magazine. What about feedback then from readers? What's that been like? Whenever we go to events, professional-facing events, where we're trying to get new people to sign up to the magazine, if anyone's never heard of the magazine and we tell them a little bit about it, they absolutely love the idea of what NB's about. It's a one-stop shop for everything that they would possibly need to help them do their job better and just stay current with new developments and technologies. If anyone is a reader and they say, oh, well, I've been reading NB for years, I absolutely love it. We love getting feedback like that. We recently did a survey and we asked people what were their memories of the magazine and we had so many fantastic responses. One lady said that she found her first ever job in the sector by reading a job advert in the magazine which was fantastic and another lady wrote that she remembered an article written by Julia Penfold in the late 80s about pre-cane skills. I mean if you can remember something that far back it must have really resonated which is really impressive. We do have people still say that they would prefer the magazine printed which as Finley touched upon already you know many people do love to be able to pick up a magazine, you know, something physical in their hand and just, you know, have half an hour quiet time with a cup of coffee leafing through the stories. But there's nothing to stop people printing the stories out and sort of leaving it on colleagues' desks and things if there is something that's really interesting to them. It's a fantastic legacy and continuing as well. How are you planning on celebrating the anniversary? What we're wanting to do is remind readers of some of the fantastic things that have gone before and remind people that actually some of these issues may still exist or that they exist in slightly different guises. So what we'll be doing is digging deep into the archive and each month we'll be sharing stories on this day features so people can have a look and see what was being discussed, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. And then in terms of events that we're planning, we've got our awards evening coming up in September, October time. It's called the Vision Pioneer Awards. And we ran this event for the first time ever last year, and it was an absolute roaring success. We had five categories to help celebrate the fantastic work that eye health and sight loss professionals do in their day-to-day lives. So that includes ophthalmic nurses, vision rehab workers, occupational therapists, that's going to be very exciting and we would welcome anybody and everybody that works in the sector to have a look and 
nominate themselves or a colleague. We're also wanting to put together a limited edition special copy of NB which we will print and we'll be mailing out to readers. And this particular magazine is going to be in the style of the first ever publication. So it's going to look like an old-fashioned magazine with beautiful pictures and lovely typography. And there'll be some really nice stories in there which will span all sorts of things from new technology and robots performing operations to how frequently children should get their eyes tested. So some really contentious, interesting stories there. And the magazine itself, we're going to be printing and distributing in a party box, which we think is a really nice, fun, fitting way to celebrate the 100th birthday. And in the party box, there'll be a few lovely party things, some sweets and party poppers and party hats and things. And we would love for eye health and sight loss professionals to take photos of them receiving their box and wearing their hats and just generally enjoying the celebration with us because NB isn't just about us providing lots of information to eye health professionals. It's to do with having this really strong community of about 4,000 readers. Just finally then, if people would like more information on NB or become a new reader, Hannah, how can they do that? If you log on to www.rnib.org.uk forward slash NB, if you scroll to the bottom of the page, there's a button that says sign up. And we, we just ask for a few details, um, people's name, email address, and their profession. And then from there, they'll start receiving our bi-weekly e-newsletter, you name it. If you're in some way related to somebody or you have an interest with sight loss, this is definitely a publication to check out. Well, congratulations on the 100th anniversary. Happy birthday to NB. And for the moment to Hannah and Funmi, thanks to both of you for speaking with us on RNIB Connect Radio. Thank you. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.